And what it do, KTTV? This is KT, and I'm coming at you live with another episode of the Daily K Podcast. And on today's episode, oh, we got a good one, y'all. I have Dr. Tamara Beckford, a physician at Your Karen Docs. How you doing? I'm doing well. Well, thank you for having me. Look, look, you helping save lives on a daily basis, uh, mm-hmm. working with the community. Thank you for taking some time out to come talk to me. My pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, so as we start things, um, mm-hmm. I like to do a check in, just wellness check. Uh, it's been crazy. Well, you know, it's been crazy out here. So mm-hmm. as we as we talk about things, like how have you been staying safe uh, and how have you been man, just just working and going about your way out here? Okay. Well, there are a few things that um, I do want to acknowledge. You know, as we're saying, I'm an ER physician, so I am in the crux of it all. And it is, I know it is at times challenging to keep and wrap your mind around everything that's going on. Um, I will say that what helps me to stay sane and to get grounded is really being able to come home to my two lovely boys. (laughs) They're two and four years old. And also to my family, like my husband and, you know, my extended family that's here um, in the Houston area. So that has helped. When you have a purpose and you have something to grow or for you to really take your mind off what's actually going on. When I'm at work, I'm at work. I'm giving my best. I'm taking care of, you know, our patients here in the Houston area. And I'm trying to ensure that you get the best care that you can from me. When I'm off of work, I'm trying to keep my mind clear so that I can give you my best when I'm back on. That that is it. Um, And and I understand totally from just being at that schoolhouse. Like when Mm -hmm. I first started this position, uh, the position, they was like, oh, well, you only work 187 days. Look, you need the rest of them days because you got to recharge because it's it's, it's physical, but it's also mental taxing on your body. And so you you have Mm -hmm. to recharge. Absolutely. And it's easy for you to lose sight of that. And I mean, I, as a physician, I did too. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm just so well balanced and I'm able to do that because I see someone saying good evening. (laughs) So um, I must say that uh, when the pandemic started um, in March of last year, I had a vacation plan um, and uh, you know, was looking very forward to that vacation um, with my family. And the pandemic started, the place shut down, I couldn't leave the country. And so as a result, I said, well, I might as well go to work, you know, so I continued to work. And due to the fact that, you know, we're in the pandemic, and you can't really go anywhere. I said, well, what is the point? Let me just continue working. As a result, I did not realize that I ended up working one year straight without taking a break. I know it's not until my body told me um, I'm tired. (laughs) And I looked back and in retrospect, I said, well, you're tired because you've been working every week for almost one year straight. So it's easy for you to really lose track 
when you're just constantly in that mode as an ER doc, we are here, you know, we're in a pandemic, so we're needed. So you just go ahead and work, you know, you don't have, you're not traveling, um, out of state, out of town, out of country, um, where you'd usually set up little breaks in between. Mm -hmm. The fact that you couldn't do it, you said, well, I might as well just go to work. But it still was important for me to stop and take those breaks. And even if it meant not leaving the country, not leaving the state, not leaving the city, it meant a mental break so that I was able to recharge. And that's something that I did recently. So I feel yeah. fantastic. fantastic. Hold on, wait a minute. Where did you go, Doc? I went to Austin. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> Look, I love that place. Yes, wonderful. It was wonderful. You know, it was wonderful. And and it coincided with my anniversary. So it was all a really great way to just bond and to really bring everything right back to the center. Mm, well, happy late anniversary. Thank you. Yeah. Now, I, I um, you know, just thinking about as I listen to you talk about you know, working straight for that full year. And mm -hmm. I think about the friends that I had. Uh, one of my friends uh, is a construction guy and they mm -hmm. were working at the hospital, right? And he said, mm -hmm. man, I've been there during the COVID. And he said, when they have such a call over the intercom, he say automatically, no, that means somebody's dying from COVID, right? And mm -hmm. so um, it affected him and he's there building in the hospital. So how going through that, you've seen all the people on TV, uh, the nurses, the emergency workers. Uh, how did you support your colleagues and yourself when it the, the COVID first hit and everything was coming with the rushes, with the respirators, all this was happening? Mm -hmm. um, I'll be honest, it was very challenging. Um, mm -hmm. My colleagues and I, we were scared. You know, um, you're scared because there were so many unknowns. We weren't sure if this virus was droplet based or was it just airborne? Um, you know, we are usually trained to use the N95 once, right? And then you discard it. And then you're given um, in, um, notification that, well, um, now we'd like you to reuse your N95. And that of course is scary. You're like, why would I be reusing something we were told for many years, you can only use it once. And these rest, um, usually the N95s, but usually um, use it for the common patients would be those with TB, um, tuberculosis. So when you're told, oh, you have to use it once and discard it, if not, you can end up contracting TB during that phase of um, you know, medicine. And then now you're hearing that there is this bigger virus that we know nothing about, but because we're running out of N95s, you can just reuse them. Can you imagine the fear <laughs> that that brought up on? Because you are saying, well, Am I being protected? And this was yeah. this is what the the public the public heard um, the healthcare workers asking, "Am I being protected?" And these were the behind the scenes reason as to yeah. why those questions were brought about. Um, now, in supporting each colleague, it was challenging, and um, some of the healthcare systems decided that they um, wanted to, you know, have wellness and um, meditation, um, ways to try to support the, um, the mental well-being. 
because a lot of the nurses, the physicians, as you mentioned, um, the respiratory therapist, because um, in healthcare, there's a whole team, right? We always hear about nurses and physicians, but the respiratory therapists, the echo techs, those who do the ultrasounds, um, environmental services, like the entire team had to really think, how am I being protected not just physically from this virus, but how can I protect my mental space as you um, mentioned? So you had to lean on each other. Um, you had to be there for each other. Um, it's still very challenging because now we're still, it might feel as if like, well, you know, the pandemic is almost over, but it's not for many. There's still those of us who've worked the year straight. <laughs> um, and there's still many nurses and um, part of the healthcare team who are feeling mentally strained. So, um, you know, it's important that we support each other. And also us as a population, we support those who are working. So like your um, friend who's a construction worker got a glimpse into what goes on. A lot of the population, um, they don't really get a glimpse. They hear there and there, oh, you know, the physician's burned out, oh, they're tired. But the fatigue that happens is not just um, the mental fatigue of, am I going to catch this virus? It's the, am I going to bring this virus home to my family? Mm. You know, am yeah. I going to, and um, I'll give you a quick story that when this virus came about, my youngest son, he was a year and a half. And six months prior, he was admitted to the hospital for respiratory um, infection, you know, so he had a respiratory infection. So you hear a virus is coming out, it's a respiratory based virus, you're an ER doc. So it's not like you could say, well, I'm sorry, I'm not going to come to work because your job is to go to work, your job is to go towards all of that. And you also, you know, I thought about this. I said, well, am I gonna bring this virus home to my one-year-old who six months ago just finished dealing with a respiratory infection and, you know, had to be hospitalized secondary to that. So of course I brought about fear. So you start putting protocols in place. So most of us, we, get undressed and we have a little decontamination center in our home, which is usually our garage. <laughs> so you get undressed in your garage, you put all your soiled items into a bin or immediately into the um, washing machine so that you don't bring it inside your home. So those are some of the ways, some of the practical ways and also the supportive ways that we've helped each other. <laughs> I, 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 I was thinking about when you said you, you took your son to the doctor. So now, mm -hmm. you know, the parents who um, I know if it's a parent at, at, um, at school and she's a teacher, she mm -hmm. is extra tight on what happens with her baby in that classroom. When you mm -hmm. go to the doctor with your kids, are you kind of giving that side? I like I know what you should be doing right now. <laughs> well, one of the things when I did take them to the emergency, my son had to go to the emergency room. Um, I was aware. I mean, he was wheezing, audibly wheezing. So I am because I take care of I can take care of my son yeah. with the same issues. However, I don't have the equipment mm -hmm. at home. You know, I'm not going to admit my son <laughs> to <Yeah>. upstairs, <laughs> you yeah. know. But um, so, yes, I, I was aware. However, I also am the type of parent 
that I allow the professionals to be the professionals because you have to understand. Now, if they're shortchanging, of course, yes, you'd intervene. However, when I am working and I'm objective and I can make very concrete decisions, I like when my patients trust me enough to do so. So when I bring my child to the professionals, I trust them to make concrete and objective um, decisions. However, I mean, yes, I'm watching. If there's something that's completely off, and if I feel like that person is not, you know, understanding the what's going on for whatever particular reason then i would interject but overall i really allow the professional to be the professional man and i, I know it's hard but uh yes. but I, mm -hmm. I think you have to like to get that success that you want right absolutely and the same yeah. with 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 school you know mm -hmm. i'm not a teacher yeah yeah <laughs> I like to teach, yeah. but I am not a teacher. So when I, I mean, I like to educate patients is the best way I should say that. Mm -hmm. However, you know, in an educational setting, I let the professional be the professional. That's it. That's it. I tell them, you know, I went to school for this. All right. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So now we, we've got so far, mm -hmm. but I want to just back up a little bit and just mm -hmm. give us a little bit about you. Um, and thinking about all that schooling that it takes to be an doctor, <laughs> like, when was that idea? Like, when was it saying, okay, this is what I want to do? All right. Well, yeah, we're talking about schooling. It's a whole lot of schooling. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided around, um, around like maybe 13 or 14 years old. That's when I said I wanted to do something in um, the healthcare field. Um, I was living in North New Jersey at the time. And um, so my family emigrated. We are from Jamaica and I you know, moved to the US when I was around 11 going on 12. So around 13, 14, I said, yeah, you know, I'd like to do something in the healthcare field. So I did summer programs at the local, um, at the local, university which um is a medical school and a hospital combined so the summer programs there i got introduced into pharmacy which is what i thought i wanted to do at the time unfortunately the pharmacy department in the hospital didn't really know what to do with a 13 14 year old they're like well you know you kind of learned a little bit of chemistry but i mean what do you really know at that point <laughs> so unfortunately they placed me in the basement to file um medical records in numerical order <laughs> and this is this is paper charts time you know this is not like oh we can yeah, do this electronically mm -mm. Yeah. this is all paper charts so as i'm filing these 10 digit files and trying to figure out which one is before what I said, mm, you know, this might not be what I want. I would like to have some patient interaction. I'd like to interact with people. So the following year I reapplied and I asked to shadow a physician. And when I did, I said, mm, this is it. So that, yeah, I was around 15 um, years of age when I got the opportunity to shadow a physician. And then from then on, I started to work towards my goal of, um, you know, becoming a doctor. <clears throat> now, I usually say that I began working towards my goal at that time, but it doesn't mean that my trajectory was very linear. I mean, I had bumps in the road. And I think it's important for those who are trying to pursue any type of um, 
goals to understand that those people who you've seen who have achieved it was not easy it did not happen um you know in a a progressive manner there were times when you had setbacks and you had to really just deal with the setbacks and figure out is this what i want yeah. if so what am i going to do to to continue and is this what i do not want and if it's not then you find another pathway so i've had um many setbacks but i'm still here yeah that's the thing about mm -hmm. it you always get that fork in the road and there will always be tests to see if you want what you Ab say you want absolutely you put it out there and there's yeah. some okay so if you truly truly want this Mm -hmm. Boom, you're gonna fail that exam. And it's just yeah. such a critical exam. Do yeah. you truly want this? And you have to say yes or no. And my answers were yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. I'm telling you, on the way to uh man, the career now just in education, I was gut checked so many times. You know, you think gut about check, that. I love it. Hey, that undergrad life, I, I don't know who didn't get the gut <laughs> check in undergrad. So if you made it through that. <laughs> Absolutely. I got like my biggest gut check um, during undergrad was when I first applied to med school because you're told um, in the linear fashion, you know, once you become a junior in undergrad, you take your MCATs, you apply to med school because the process, it's a year long process. So you have to apply a year in advance of the matriculating year. So if you wanted to start med school is 2021. If you wanted to start med school in this August, you've already passed the deadline because the deadline was 2020, right? So I'm here applying and boom, I applied to like 10 or over 12 or so schools. And the gut check was reject, 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 rejected. I mean, I said that you can imagine when you get like two letters that says, I'm sorry, we cannot accept you. But can you imagine 15 or so of those letters? After a while, you're just like, I mean, you start to feel that, you know, you're not worthy, you're not good enough. Yeah. Um, luckily, as with any time when you do have a setback, there is the setback is usually what? It's like momentum, right? It's mm -hmm. a spring to spring you forward. So I, um, my undergraduates, um, the professor who was actually the chairperson of the department, she reached out to me and she said, Tamara, what are you going to do when you graduate? And I said, well, I'm not sure because I didn't get into med school. She said, well, come work for me in grad school. And I said, um, and so he, you know, she said, come, I applied and I got into grad school and I became a graduate teaching assistant. And I got my grad school paid for for free. See? Now that's it, a blessing. <laughs> it all, I'm telling you, I don't care how bad it looks. It's all going to work out. Absolutely. <laughs> and so fast forward to that. Mm -hmm. Now here you are, you're Karen Docs. Absolutely. Yes. And so tell us about the practice. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I know that it's not where the patient just walks in the building. So tell us mm -hmm. about the practice and how it's different from your, your normal practice. Absolutely. So your caring docs is a telemedicine um, practice. So it's telemedicine in that we are treating just like what we're doing right now through video. So there are um, some diagnoses and medical illnesses that we can treat through video. And there are others where you just uh, 
it's just not possible. So if I have to touch you for the treatment, then it's not going to be possible. Mm -hmm. However, if it can be done through telemedicine, such as I've um, taken care of patients who've had COVID, um, they've had mild COVID symptoms. So I usually will express, so you've gone through the drive-through, got tested for COVID, um, you know, through one of the pharmacies and so on. You were not seen by a physician or a clinician. Um, you know, you tested positive. You're having um, the aches, you're having nausea, um, you might be having shortness of breath, but your oxygen levels are not um, below 90%, which is usually what we'll tell the patients to go to the ER if it is. You can get um, prescriptions um, and I can treat these patients and provide a prescription for them so that they can start feeling better while they're at home, while they're battling um, this virus. Um, we can treat for sinusitis. Um, these are some of the urgent care issues because it's an urgent care um, facility that we can treat while, you know, from the comfort of your home. And um, so that's the telemedicine portion of um, your caring docs. And as I did mention, we also love to educate. So we also have an additional portion of that, which we'll talk about a little later. Yeah. And so on the um, man with it, you know, you think about I, I just think about uh, a few months ago, I did an interview with my uh, gastro doctor as I'm a Crohn's patient. Mm -hmm. And so. He had to adjust like he was already doing some point of telehealth, but he really had to adjust. And I know a lot of your colleagues in that field also had to adjust. So mm -hmm. how did it feel for you to already be ahead of the game and already in the telehealth space um, as everybody had to transition? Well, it's it's an adjustment no matter what, mm -hmm. um, because. In addition, I do work as an ER doc, so I'm I'm taking care of some of the you know really crazy serious issues when I am in the ER. But in doing so through telemedicine, um, you have to adjust your mindset, and also we have to adjust the expectations of our patients, in knowing that you know this is what the limitations are of this particular um, ability to practice medicine through this field. Um, so the adjustment was on both ends, the physician and the patients. I think the patients really enjoyed the fact that they were able to just roll up out of bed and just click on their phone. <laughs> And we're able to be seen, right? So you were able to still get so many things done. Um, and then when if you weren't feeling well, mm -hmm. you didn't have to battle with traffic, battle with parking, battle, you know, walking up the stairs, sitting in the waiting room. Mm -hmm. You were able to just say, oh, my appointment is in five minutes. Okay, let me get my phone and start my appointment. So mm -hmm. I think that it worked on both ends. Yeah, and, and thinking about what happens next, um, you know, eventually they will start doing those face to face. And, and so Absolutely. people will start going out. And so have you all already been kind of adjusting for what happens when maybe there's a decrease in the patients or, or something because they're choosing to go back to their originals? Well, not at this point. I think those mm -hmm. who still want to use telemedicine, then the option will always be there. Um, there are still many moms who you know is battling yeah. trying to take care of family and also the time to do additional things and yes. you know things happen to moms yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. um yeah there will always be a segment of the population that i think that would that would like the telemedicine and some of the younger um patients 
you know, they're very into their electronics. They're very into efficiency and getting things done quickly. Yeah. So, you know, they're also that segment will probably still continue to use telemedicine. Yeah, we even have a, um, a, a it's not a big space because we had to find a place, but um, let's say, mm -hmm. for instance, we have someone that's sick and um, they're able to be helped by that. Then we've set up a little place and they can go in, click, sign into the computer. Um, and there's someone kind of with the telehealth to, to help them right there. So absolutely, I don't think it's it not going away. Uh, it was defined a little better, but I think it's like it's one of them things. Absolutely. And that's, popular. and that's exactly what you said. It's been defined a little bit better. So mm -hmm. that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. Now, healthcare in the African-American community is, is mm -hmm. so important, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in most cases, with consistent health care, with prevention, mm -hmm. um, I mean, we could save a lot of lives. Absolutely. So, and thinking about the work that you do through your practice, um, I mean, how are you simply answering that call to give back that knowledge? Um, and how you work and how's the response? So the knowledge base of um, your care and docs is part that I really am very passionate about. Um, an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. That's what our family, you know, we've been taught that by our grandparents and they were very wise about it. So it's important for the patient population to know what's going on inside their bodies. And that's where I come in, providing educational videos. I do this every Friday on um, our Facebook Live. And I really see the impact that it has on the patient, um, even on some of, of those who are in the healthcare space. Um, for example, if you are in, um, if you're in, like we said, your ultrasound, radiology, um, if you're in the environmental services, you hear people talking about these particular illnesses, you hear the physicians, or you might see, um, you know, a patient that was diagnosed with X, Y, and Z, but then the ability to really bring it on and to explain it to our patients so they know what's going on, I find it very powerful. Um, I've actually been able to use some of my videos with um, some of our patients who have been diagnosed with some serious illnesses. For example, um, when you've had patients who are coming into the hospital for stroke or for heart attacks, these are issues when you go to the emergency room, things are moving very quickly, right? Very, very fast because it's time dependent. Time is muscle. Time, you know, depends how quickly you can get things done, helps to save lives or save the functionality. So when this happens, we have to talk to the patient quickly and say, hey, 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 do you give us permission to do this? This is what's going on, blah, blah, blah. At times for you to grasp everything, it can be challenging. Right. So I've provided videos and saying, OK, this is what's going on. And the patients, I've had patients look at the videos and I come back and I said, so do you understand what happened? And they're like, yes, this, this, this. And they're, you know, telling me and they're telling me now the fact that you can explain it to me, that means that you understand. Mm -hmm. So it's important for that to happen. So my goal with this educational portion of your care and docs that we're gonna build out is for really to provide a lot more videos to our patients 
through their physicians that, you know, when you're at your physician's office, if you've been diagnosed with this, if you've been diagnosed with that, then you can get a video that's quick and informative, and then you can understand what's going on. So no longer are you feeling rushed out of your doctor's office. Um, no longer is the physician going to feel like I didn't, that dissatisfaction within a physician that comes with not being able to have enough time to explain to our patients what's going on. We're going to try to help to decrease both of that. Mm. And <laughs> I'm telling you, <laughs> I, I have so many questions. So like when you, you making the videos, I'm looking at them. And so that reminds me of, it was one of the teachers. Um, and so she saw something was wrong. And of course I say, well, did you go to WebMD? Like, did you diagnose yourself? What is happening? So do you still see a lot of that and all the videos kind of set up to combat that? Absolutely. I see a lot of it. I had one yesterday. <laughs> yeah, no, I, think, I think it's... <laughs> Oh my goodness, absolutely. I said, what? The patient said, I think I have blankety blank, blank, blank. I said, what? I said, okay, show me where you looked that up. Because yeah. I know you did. <laughs> because that is not a very common diagnosis yeah. and your symptoms do not <laughs> reflect it. So absolutely, we have the WebMD um, self-diagnosis that occurs. And yes, this is there to help to offset some of this. Um, it's just really to educate. So it's important for you to know what's going on inside your body. It's not for you to self-diagnose. It's for you to have the, in, the important portion is understand, have clarity. If you understand what causes a particular illness, then you are now empowered enough to make the decisions to help to prevent and if you already have said illness, then you can have the power to ask questions that will probably help you to clarify with your physician, right? So you can say, hey, doctor such and such, I realize that I have blank and it causes this. I would like to know, is this particular type of diet, will that help me because X, Y, Z? Then that's easier for the physician and for you to be able to get clarity on versus, hey, you know, you told me that I have this, but I really don't understand what you really meant. Mm. You know, so that is the goal. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because there's nothing like having somebody. Yeah, doc, I was reading online. I think I got cancer. And you're like, it. really? From stopping your toe? <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> so. On top of what you're doing with the community, mm -hmm. with the information, um, mm -hmm. you know, I think about the the work that I do with the young boys and the girls in my school. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that we talked about uh, that you wrote was less than 2% of physicians are black women. Absolutely. So either within that community work or outside of that community work, how do you use your story of where you are today to uh, kind of empower the young women that you run across in everyday life? So I do that through, I do mentoring and which is very important. It's important to me. Um, luckily for me, while at work, I do have some scribes that we um, work with. And a lot of times um, a medical scribe is a person um, who usually aspires to do something within the medical field. So they're working either they're college students or they just graduated from college and they're taking um, said required courses in order to um, take um, the exams or so on for professional schools. 
So I, I mentor those students. Mm -hmm. um, in addition, I do career days. I'm going to be doing a career day in two weeks, actually, mm -hmm. for a charter school. Um, this one is going to be a charter school that's in um, New Jersey. And, you know, I'm here in Houston. So it's important before um, students to see what they can become, you know, if you don't see it, then you're not going to believe it, right? Yes. And it's important for you to be able to have access and to hear the stories, which is, I think is paramount. And that's why I will tell the stories of my failure, of my reject from med school during my first application process, because it's important. Um, there are many times when um, people students, um, young boys, young girls would like to achieve a particular career and they feel like it's far out of reach. Um, you know, they, those of us who might be in said space might be around others who are in said space. And so it starts to give you a skewed view, like there are more people out there than there are. When you see the statistics, the statistics aren't lying. 2%. Now, when you're around other physicians who are physicians of color, whom you've gone to school with, and you know, you either met on the interview trail, or you're on a Facebook group with said, um, you know, you're like, well, there's 17,000 of us in this particular Facebook group, there are a lot of people. Mm, but there are how many people in the United States? You know, and so the reality is that there need to be more of us out there. And in order for that to occur, I have to be out there as one of the many that shows you that I exist and mm -hmm. therefore you can too. Well, I just want to say uh, you you are going to be having another career day coming soon. Okay. Um, yeah, so, you know, we about to shut it down for this year, but next year we coming back to... Uh, all of the good stuff and hopefully we'll get back to our assemblies and all that and uh that would be so awesome we do a uh, young ladies club uh at school mm -hmm. and so they usually have a conference every year and so much and so to be able to uh just have you come in uh that would be awesome we even do a It'll career day pleasure. yeah so I'm, I'm looking forward to putting that together my so pleasure absolutely i will now, be there <laughs> as we get ready to land the plane you know we got to talk about it. The vaccines. All right. So Let's go. um we got so many people saying oh it took too long. I say I'm I'm going to <laughs> with the FDA say. I mean it took too fast. It was too fast. I'm saying I'm going with the FDA. Mm -hmm. Um I I don't know how much of it in your world that you could put your personal into it but talk to me a little bit about the vaccine or you recommending or discouraging. Oh, absolutely. I'll let you know. I absolutely <laughs> recommend. So hey. I I got the vaccine during the first week. I think it was so the vaccine got here on Tuesday and I got it on Thursday. Give me in. <laughs> and I also documented my journey. So it is available on um, my Facebook page. If you scroll through the many videos, I do a lot of videos. So you can find one um, where I you know, showed myself receiving the vaccine. So I think I was one of the, the first few docs in the country that did so. And that shows, I mean, I'm not just talking about how I think it's important. 
you know, I'm showing you. Now, I do recognize, and I did explain this um, in one of my videos, that I understand the history within our country as to why a lot of people, especially within our African-American community, you know, do not trust the institutions of those providing vaccinations and so on. I, I understand. And, and it's true. And it's, it's something that the country has to come to terms with. And they also have to learn to fix, right? Because we are here and we need help too. So the institutions that have given uh, in the past who have um, betrayed our trust, they have to learn to garner our trust, right? I, however, do believe that this vaccine is important for us to get back to where we want to be. Yes. Um, I've seen during the rise that we had in uh, July, it was horrible. And the second one that we had in December, bad. As I mentioned, we do feel as if COVID has, you know, oh, we're not, we're hearing about it, but it might be better. It's not as bad. I'll tell you that two days ago, they had to take a 22-year-old. She had to be taken off. And, you know, her dad is also about to probably be taken off mm. life support. Yeah. And she has been in the hospital in the intensive care unit probably for over two months so it's still here yes you know and i mean it might not be as prevalent because our society we don't want to you're stuck in between a rock and a hard place either you're bombarding people with too much information or you're glossing over it and you're filling them with entertainment so that they don't think about the reality of what's going on however the COVID virus is still here and there's still people who are being affected. Um, it's great that we actually have something to give us a fighting chance. And that's how I look at this. It's given me a fighting chance. Um, I had a, a, a colleague, actually it was um, someone whom I know, she's not a colleague, she's not in the healthcare field. And you know, she lost a family member um, to COVID and she said, you know, I don't know if I really want this vaccine. I just don't trust anything that just comes out. And you know, I wanted to wait a little longer. You know, suppose I end up like, you know, losing a leg or something from this vaccine, which is usually, you know. Yeah. And so I said to her, well, you know, if you are here long enough to lose that leg, that's important. You can always buy another leg, but yeah. you can't buy another life, right? Uh, true. Once you're gone, you're gone. Yeah. So with that, she got her vaccine the next day. Hey, look, that's all the right amount of <laughs> hey, the right amount of motivation. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's been good though, but um, because when they mm -hmm. open it up for our educators, you know, um mm -hmm. man, I was just so happy. So a lot of my school has got it. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So a lot of people just in transit. But, you know, you think about spring break. Spring break was rough. You know, you look at Florida. You, yo, you look at here. 
Oh, you know. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, the thing it, it, it um, circles right back to the beginning of our conversation. When we talk about um, the healthcare professionals and how are they um, dealing with all that's going on, I will tell you this with 100% certainty. Whenever there's a holiday that comes uh, up where people are quick to flock it brings on a high level of anxiety within the healthcare field because we are afraid that we are heading right back to another rise in the viruses. And the other fear is that people are already exhausted. The healthcare professionals are exhausted. So to get a third wave, a fourth wave, where everyone is really sick and you are already tired from dealing with the first two waves, deal from not really having to take a break, or if you are taking a break, you can't really truly get a break because there isn't really anywhere to go, it becomes very, very daunting on the healthcare professionals. So I really implore our um, community um, to really understand both ends. We do understand the fear that's associated with getting the vaccine, but also to understand um, and be empathetic to the healthcare community who are still dealing with the heightened level of anxiety of having to constantly take care of very, very sick patients all the time. You know, we're trained to do so, but there's usually a lull that you can get back your um, mojo, that you can get back your energy level, that you can relax and then you can come back rejuvenated. But a constant level of just heightened um, dealing with sick patients, patients who are dying all the time, it really can cause a, um, a long lasting and damaging effect. Yeah. Wow. Well, mm -hmm. usually we end with um, some motivational. Oh, well, we, will. we have to. <laughs> After yeah, that. <laughs> I, I want to, uh, and, and my thing was, I wanted to just close with the, because I understand that anxiety because I'm not going to lie to you uh, as a school administrator, I think about that spring break too, because like I say, it, it hasn't been a lot of, kid to kid in the building it's been more of mom has let down their guard she got it now you got it and then it comes to school so absolutely. that anxiety is real uh, so absolutely. i just wanted one plea from a medical professional who is going through it in the emergency room to just tell these people stay at home until <laughs> until they good now can you just give us some Absolutely. I mean, I really implore us to be as vigilant as we can. So one mask wearing, important, right? So um, I have a video add on that about the transmission and the percentage of transmission of a COVID patient to those who, um, especially one who is not wearing a mask to someone who one is wearing a mask or two is not wearing a mask. Um, three, get you know, to get the vaccine, right? Get vaccinated. And if you can stay at home, um, the good news is that um, we're 40% of the country right now is vaccinated. So we're heading there. My goal is for us to have a great summer, yeah. you know? So if, you know, we're in April, if we can go ahead and get vaccinated, then by summer, we're all good, right? Fourth of July, 
we yes. can have a great 4th of July. So I think the way that I look at it, let's look towards our goal. Our goal is to be able to enjoy the second half of the year and not to start the cycle back over and be in prolonged um, way of having to stay home for an extended period of time, um, you know, shutdowns again. Let's work hard and, you know, getting ourselves vaccinated, getting our staying healthy so that we can enjoy this summer. <laughs> Man, that is it, huh? That, that mm -hmm. I think that that's what we needed right there. <laughs> mm -hmm. So now, where do we find the information if we want to get the videos? We want to know about the practice. And if I need some telehealth, how do I find you? So if you want the telehealth, then it's on, actually you can do all through Facebook. Um, our Facebook page is Facebook slash your caring docs. U R C A R I N G D O C S. Your caring docs. Um, we are also on Instagram. Um, and I'll say that that you can actually book your appointments through these mediums, and that's why I'm letting you know. So you can book appointments through the Facebook page. You can do so through Instagram. Our Educational videos are all over our Facebook page and they're also on our YouTube channel. Um, we'll post the link to the YouTube channel on the Facebook page. But I mean, there are tons of information. We've done info on asthma, COPD, heart attacks, strokes, um, gallstones, gallbladder infections. And um, every Friday at 6.30 p.m. on the Facebook page, we're going to do a Facebook Live. This week is going to be exciting. We're going to talk about abdominal pain. So when you're like, oh, I got this pain in this particular area, you actually have an idea of what organs are in that area and what your doctor is thinking when you go in. So this should be exciting. If you want to hear about it and learn some more, I'll see you on Friday on our <laughs> Facebook page. That's it. Now, one last thing, Doc. You know, um, here at KTTV, mm -hmm. you know, as I look at my news channels from CNBC, they always have these contributors. You know, I think about Dr. Sanjay Gupta for CNN. He mm -hmm. come in. Doc, we need a resident doc here at KTTV. So, you know, <laughs> just, just sometimes, you know, we may have some things going and we want to be able to reach out to you, Doc. Can we call on you? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. We are here for you. Man, I wouldn't well, be a caring doc if I didn't. <laughs> hey, that's it. That's it. Now, let us be your caring doc. Absolutely. Hey, <laughs> well, I want to say thank you for taking some time out today uh, to, to talk about the background, talk about the work, and also that necessity to, to maintain and be preventative in our healthcare today. Very powerful. Um, man, I enjoyed every, every minute of this conversation. I did too. This is wonderful. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I look forward to uh, part two soon, resident doctor. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you for right. the opportunity. That'll work. Bye -bye. All right, y'all. This is KT for KT TV signing out. 100.